Welcome to episode 69 of the Frio Big Footy Podcast. This week we'll go back and have a look at uh, the result versus North Melbourne where Fremantle started brightly but fell away to record an 11-point loss and a rare back-to-back loss for Fremantle this season. Uh, we'll have a look at the waffle news, some contract re-signings during the week and then finish by having a look at the preview against Melbourne. Joining us this week is our usual resident Victorian expert, Seppo. Hi, mate. I'm good, Centurions, and... Uh... Last few weeks to go, and geez, we've got to uh, finish now to secure top spot. Yeah, last week Fremantle went down 10, 14 goals, 10.94 to 12.11.83, and the 11 point loss. And certainly didn't look like it was going to be that result after the first quarter, Seppo, where Fremantle, like the Saints game the week before, came out of the blocks beautifully and kicking straight, and uh, just sort of the wheels fell off after quarter time. Yeah, it was a, a great start, but probably even missed a couple of chances there. Uh, I think with um, I know that kicking was pretty good right up until the last couple of uh, points that we missed. But um, yeah, we certainly uh, didn't do ourselves any favour with um, letting North back into the game that easily after a good start. And I think uh, one of those big records that we've had when we've kicked 12 goals, we've won 42 straight, I think came to an end with the... Uh, Last flurry of goals from North in that start of that last quarter really uh, making it hard for us to hold off. But there was some good little bits out of the game. It's hard to pick a lot of positives out, but I think Walters was up and about and Griffin showed that he, he's doing okay and Sandilands played a very decent game as well. And Hill was dominating as as he always and, and Mundy probably had a nice old game as well. So it's not all doom and gloom and, and thank God Fife got off with his... Uh, um, report that was thrown out that probably warranted the free kick, and that was it. Yeah, the other person, the other probably pleasing sign was um, Lee Spur, who had a, another cracking game against Lindsay Thomas as well, Seppo, and he's probably been, uh, you know, even in the game earlier this year, I don't think, uh, you know, Thomas has sort of been anywhere near it when uh, Spur's played on him, so he's um, continued his good form there. But as you said, it's probably, I think, more of this game was not so much about the regulars that we expect, but probably the fringe players, Seppo, who are, you would think are trying to fight for a 20-top, you know, final spot, but they just seem to be coming up short on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, I know there's been plenty of talk on there for the last few weeks, but, uh, you know, Mazungu's been certainly, you can see why he's been struggling to get a game. And last week, he's just decision-making at times and... Uh, you know, composure under pressure just let him down continually, particularly in that fourth quarter where he had a chance in the first 30 seconds of the quarter to kick a goal and he sort of rushed it. And then uh, later in the quarter got a free kick and tried to play on with the guy standing right there and got tackled and turned over. And I think they went down to the other end as well. So, um, you know, he's probably struggling to keep his spot. I mean, the ball, it's a bit hard when you only came on in the last quarter. And unfortunately, um, we'll get to him probably a little bit more on the re-signing Seppo, but uh, earlier this season, Ross Lyon was talking about, um, you know, being down in the sort of desolate corner with, uh, you know, Ballas down there. And unfortunately for Crozier, I don't think it's his spot playing in that forward pocket. I think he's definitely a better as a high half forward, but um, just hasn't been able to get himself, even if it's not so much necessarily in the game, but just hasn't been able to have an impact when he's not getting the ball either, unfortunately, uh, for the last few weeks. You'd like it for a player like Crozier if he's not getting involved too much to at least hit the scoreboard with a you know a couple of touches if they are going to be under ten. But he hasn't seemed to do that and making it a bit hard. He does have a lovely kick on him, but uh, at least the um, 
you know, with the other people we've had chip in for goals coming out of our midfield. But um, what you're saying earlier, I could definitely see with a game plan that we're trying to play, you know, constantly moving the ball on quickly. Don't let, allow North to set up and try to catch their tools out back as we were spreading quite well for a short period of time. And you could see a couple of bit of decision-making went <laughs> didn't go our way with uh, um, some of the people handballing to people that had, you know, an opposition right on their hammer and, you know, not looking straight away and you could see they wanted to move the ball quickly but didn't come off in certain passages of play and sometimes it did and we got some uh, nice goals out of it but some shocking turnovers that North just seemed to capitalise on and I think some of their big units like Ben Brown and Goldstein and even Waite who <laughs> doesn't have good games but he bobbed up and kicked three so it's a, it's a shame to see that you know, some really bad players have some great games against us once again. Yeah, early on, I think Nahas kicked the first one, and he always only seems to have a career game against us every time he plays. But, you know, every time he sort of uh, always manages to kick a few. And it did have a lot of similarities to the St Kilda game where, we, you know, we did get out of the blocks early and then we sort of try to, you know, sort of tease us a bit there, Seppo, and then they sort of just try to control it. And where Saints didn't have the ability to hurt us, uh, North Melbourne came back and uh, got back into the game slowly but surely and did um, manage to do it. The other player who's probably, you know, um, just struggling to have an impact in the second half of the season, and you know, is um, Daniel Pierce. And the reality is that um, we need, you know, 12 possessions for him in a whole game is not going to be enough if we're going to be any chance of uh, doing any sort of damage in September, Seppo. We need his outside run, and uh, we're just not getting enough from him at the moment. Yeah, even his um, disposal efficiency, 50%. Not that good that you're okay if, if a guy like Subin and all that are, are pushing the ball forward and, and making us ground. But I think Daniel Pierce needs to work a bit harder on it. And he hasn't been dropped really for form since he's come to the club and got that impressive run of continuous games. But there's a, there's a couple around there all, all around him that you know didn't do well on the day and, and probably need a bit of a kick up the bum to get going and, and help us you know, deliver those forward 50s and, and get better results. Yeah, I mean, we had probably seven or eight players who had 10 possessions or less, Seppo, and that's just not enough. When I mean, you're going to expect that from Dawson and maybe the sub, but, you know, you just need a little bit more from those other guys out there, and even though, you know, some of them are our big guys. I mean, the week before, McFarlane had a lot of it, but, you know, Sheridan, who does provide that run for us off half-back, only had 10 as well, and I, I know that opposition teams will definitely try and bring his opponent back into that back pocket to sort of take away his dash and... Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see this week, and we'll get to the team shortly, Seppo, whether they look to, um, we, I know I briefly mentioned it last week, but whether they look to bring Clancy back in to give us that bit more drive. And I noticed that Duffield has also been sort of named this week, and although his probably defence is not as good as it was in the past, he's certainly one of our better users by foot when he does get the ball. Mm, that's probably what we're looking for in this game, and I think... Uh... Um, probably even just the forward line set up without Pav, a bit of leadership probably would have helped in that last quarter just settle a bit. And I know Alex Pierce has been going okay up front there, but um, he's still not as good as Pav. And you know, we've tried Tavener up there and, and some others. You know, We've had the combination out there have been really good. But at the moment, I think Fife did okay in stints when he did go forward. But Probably when he was out there, we weren't winning the ball enough to actually utilise him one out when he was there because you could see it was almost like a rest. It wasn't really like a lethal forward up front. So the idea was nice, but I think we lose too much by taking Fife out of the midfield and we need someone like Pav back up there to 
help dominate those uh, forward entries when we do get them because we did inside the inside 50s by almost yeah. 10. So it was a a real uh, odd thing to see us fall that short with um, such dominance of the inside 50s. Yeah, it's just we just haven't, as you said, managed to be able to have anyone else who can be an effective target inside 50. I know that Pierce took a very good mark early in the first quarter, but then sort of just wasn't able to present enough after that. And, I, you know, and it's interesting that um, Tavener has been named this week, and, you know, depending upon obviously how Pav pulls up and whether he does pass his fitness test this week, it'd be interesting to see whether they do give Tavener another option. Um, and what did you think of the back line, Seppo, where, you know, this is probably the first time all year where we've had McFarlane, Johnson and Dawson back there, um, as opposed to where we had, like, at times, Johnson, McFarlane and Pierce. Do you think it works better having Dawson back there or do you think it would be better having Pierce back there and then bringing Tavener back up forward? Um, there's, there's a combination there that I liked um, during the game, but I think... What happened was the the smalls of North. I think when Boomer got a lot of the goals, I think we probably had well, maybe a bit too tall. I don't know. It kind of suited having their um, big units like Goldstein, Waite and Ben Brown there. The the three tools seemed to cover them quite well and McFarlane was moving pretty smoothly and even got a bit of a, a rebound and dash out of him but can't afford to do that all the time. And I, I like those three. It sort of seemed to hold up structure-wise but Maybe there's a bit of flexibility if we don't have Dawson there that Alex Pierce could go back, but you just wonder what what the best combination is leading into the finals, and it all depends on the matchups as well who's there. But Lee Spur was um, a great, like you said before, a great shutdown role, and Sutcliffe probably let Boomer get out a bit too much when the ball spilt and crumbed out. But um, all in all, I think the um, it, it's great to have McFarlane and Johnson and, and Dawson all out there. I suppose they're all sort of building up form and, and managing at the right time of the year. Yeah. You know, probably since about round 13 or 14, Seppo, we've sort of talked about like Fremantle sort of just continuing um, just to motor along, pick up the four, bank the four points and sort of build up towards form. And we're sort of getting closer and closer towards the end. And yet we're only sort of seeing glimpses of quarters at best or maybe a quarter and a half. So, you know, with the next two games and as you said, whether, I mean, Arguably, whether top spot or second, second on the ladder is, you know, the importance of that may or may not be a massive thing, you know, because at the end of the day, you're still going to get the same result of two home finals. But um, you definitely want to be seeing this week a more closer to four quarter performance than what we've been seeing so far. Mm, definitely. Now, who do you think won the uh, All Australian Ruckman battle of uh, Goldstein and Sanderlands? Well, it was an interesting battle, and uh, Sandland certainly looked good early and took him down there. And uh, you know, I think for the majority of the day, Sandland's probably uh, was certainly had the ascendancy in the ruck, and he certainly had, you know, he was on a par with uh, Goldstein around the ground for the majority of the game. I mean, Goldstein probably, you know, they both kicked a couple of goals each. And I suppose it's whether you argue Goldstein's was probably. I mean, Goldstein kicked one of them at the very death row. Um, but I would, you know, I would think that probably uh, Sandland certainly didn't do himself any, um, no, you know, didn't sort of hurt his chances by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, I just think, uh, you know, wouldn't be surprised at all if, uh, you know, even though Sandland's, I think, is probably the most important right man. And, you know, you speak, speak to any players and they say the teams work more around him, but... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it ended up going Goldstein and probably even Nat Nui, you know, 
Um, the guys who are on that panel seem to love him to death, so I uh, wouldn't be surprised at all if um, he does, and particularly because West Coast were expected to be rubbish this year and the fact they've come off and arguably near the top of the ladder, wouldn't be surprised at all if he gets the nod over Sandilands either. It's hard to see someone with Aaron Sandilands' number. If you, you, you replace his name and put anyone else's name in there, they're like, wow, these stats are amazing. I think it's now the norm now. So they're expecting yeah. him to, to you know break his ceiling and go even higher. But you know, 43 hitouts, well, I suppose where you combine that with Griffin giving a chop out. I don't know if anyone else really went in the ruck against um, Sandilands Griffin other than Goldstein because I can't see a hit out recorded against anyone else's name other than Goldstein. So he seemed to shoulder most of the load there or the other guys didn't even get near it. But we had a couple of guys like Fife and Mundy come third up that seemed to help us push the ball out a couple of times. So we are not all reliant on the big man Sandy, but I'd love to see him get some recognition, at least with the All-Australian squad and maybe even another one if it's um, if he has another two dominant games to end the year. And um, Yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone would grudge him getting it, but I think the fact that Goldstein does it all on his own as well probably may work in his favour as opposed to where we've got Griffin or we had Clark earlier in the year. And uh, as you said, in terms of hit-outs and all that sort of stuff, he probably just needed maybe a kick of a couple of more goals and uh, through the year, but... As I said, I wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't shock me in the least if, uh, you know, going through looking at our list that maybe the only, I mean, Fife will be a lock for all Australian, but after that, I mean, Johnson's probably missed too many games. Uh, McFarlane may be a chance to get in the squad. Um, but after that, I think, uh, you know, probably the only other ones we might have is possibly Walters or Mundy's been, was strong early and he's still, I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe makes it or Lockie Neal, but after that drops off pretty quick, I think. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other points you want to bring up from this one, Matt? No, other than the fact that it's um, yeah, it's a nasty loss, and it would have been nice to have more comfort going into these last two games, and and now it's um battle for secure these last few points over the next two. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, Sepo, I don't think it's going to like you know, West Coast have certainly got no lay down there against um, Adelaide, who will be fighting for their sort of uh, you know final spot. So you know, there's no guarantee that. West Coast are going to go over there and win that game. And, uh, you know, if they lose this week and we get the points, then it would be probably no different anyway. But it's probably just more the fact that um, regardless of the result, you just want to be seeing a little bit better form coming in with only two or three weeks to go until the end of the season. That's what we want to see. Um, all right. The other uh, the other interesting uh, point, Seppo, just before we move on, is what, what do you think the reason is for, like, obviously we've seen that spread from Fremantle's midfield early. The ball movement's been quite strong. And then we sort of just tend to, do you think it's a conscious decision that we sort of switch off? Or do you think it's a work ethic or a work rate issue? Uh, what's the, you know, what do you think it is that we just aren't able to sustain it for more than that quarter at this stage? No, well, it's interesting. We've, we've, the burst has sort of come out in a lot of the games and might not necessarily be in the first, but we seem to have a quarter where we just go nuts. But it's, um, yeah, I don't know if it's a lot of the guys dropping their heads and just, put in too much and we, we, we don't seem to be hitting the rotations as hard. I think our average rotation is probably one of the lowest out of all the sides in the competition. I think regularly see us sort of only get to the 100, 105 mark, maybe a couple more if there's been some um, injuries or a hot day, but we um we haven't really been uh, really running it out and maybe we're holding something back in the tank for the uh, business part of the season of uh, a lot of those guys there, but it is quite interesting just how we can play so well and then 
so poorly or within one game because it's um yeah reminiscent of uh early Fremantle back in the you know two thousand five and six days where we used to turn it on and turn it off like that all within one one game. Yeah, and uh, I know there's been a lot of talk about the fact that we haven't kicked a hundred points I think since round eight this year when we played North Melbourne, but there's been a number of games where really we've been pretty close as well, Seppo. I mean that. I mean, you think if they put their foot down to the pedal in that game against the Saints, they would have probably got there. And, I mean, there was a couple of performances like Brisbane. Uh, we scored 95 against Carlton. So, realistically, you think there'd be a few more of those games where we would have got there. And we had a number of games in the wet as well, which I think did have an impact on whether we got there. And then we had a couple of shockers like the Hawthorne game in particular and even the Richmond one where we were never really looking likely. So, but playing Melbourne this week should be a good opportunity. Uh, last home game of the season. So, You'd hope they come out all guns blazing and put on a bit of a performance for us and, uh, you know, put, start looking towards uh, September because you'd have to think if we do get the results go our way this week, Seppo, particularly if we get the win and, you know, West Coast do not get the points against Adelaide, that there'll be a few guys resting for that port trip next week. Mm. Um, all right. During the week this week, Seppo, as well, we had uh, Peel Thunder... Uh, eventually get over the top of a um, of the bottom of the table, uh, Perth, with a 14-goal 16-100 to... And they just made the 100 themselves, Seppo, versus 13-9-87 against Perth. And uh, once again, we had the usual suspects doing pretty well with uh, uh, Ballard getting 34 and getting the sort of BOG out there. And uh, But none of our other players really, I think, stood up and uh, demanded a recall with their performances this week. Yeah, I think um, Clancy's one that's probably been showing... He's been consistent in there, and I think there was um, interesting coming out for the game. The you know Blakely's done his ankle and taking it easy, and I think missing this week. And I think Clark copped a, uh, a fine, or I'm not sure if it was suspension. But, yeah, it was um, a suspension this week. And uh, like to be perfectly honest with you, he should have probably copped a bit more than what he got. So we um, might not get much luck at the AFL match review panel, but the waffle one's a bit different. And uh, I don't know if you saw it, Seppo, but he did give him a pretty good uppercut off the ball. So um, he's probably lucky to get away with that. But I don't think he would have played this week with a concussion anyway. So yeah. it's probably just a bit unfortunate that the two guys who are probably most likely to, or maybe have been in contention, particularly Blakely, um, unfortunately got an ankle injury this week. But by all accounts, his uh, rehab's gone really well and he may uh, certainly won't be back this week, but he may get a game next week. Yeah, certainly they'll want that peel going into finals, a full squad available. And might be taking one of the, uh, the best ball users out in Clancy and might be getting a gig this week. But he's been um, one that's been knocking on the door as long as um, with Blakely and Langdon and Weller all having great games over a period. But I think Weller's Weller missed out that game, didn't he? Yeah, he didn't play this week. So, yeah. So hopefully those guys all get back out there and play finals for Peel because it's really good to get that experience into those young players. Actually, before we do move on from this one, Seppo, it probably probably a bit of a miss. Um, Ethan Hughes probably played his best game, I think, as a heel player and uh, ended up with uh, 26 touches and uh, kicked a goal as well. And he's slowly but surely gotten better as the season's gone along. So certainly showing a little bit there and there's a bit, a bit little bit more to work on there. Um, so hopefully he'll continue that form for the next few weeks as well. Yeah, and I've heard his um, playing style slightly compared to uh, Ibbotson. So... Be handy if he's um, got those type of uh, moves and skills in the bag like Ibo does and carve his spot out in the halfback. Yeah. The other one was probably uh, seeing Tabiner get nine marks this week and he had 17 touches. Only kicked one one, but at least was getting uh, get his hands on the ball a little bit more and um, taking, I think he had the most marks on the ground. So 
at least he's uh, presenting well and getting a few marks there, which is pleasing. All right, this week, Sepa, we also had a bit of contract news with two uh, two of our younger uh, younger guns resigning this week for two more years. Yeah, young Sheridan and Crazier both signed on to all the way to 2017, so locked up for another two years. It's great to see. I think it's something we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, just flagging that those two will probably sign on and showing signs that they're being rewarded with a bit of game time and um, even yeah, form's probably dropped off for both of them quite recently, but at least they've been getting out there, getting experience, saying that they enjoy it, loving it, and we've locked them right up. And I think just looking at the list now, it'd be great to uh, – complete the trifecta of young kids and get someone like Alex Pierce signed up to that type of uh, length as well. And you've got great guys like Gray and, and Apna still there to be signed up out of that 2015 expiring. And, and then you get to the older guys that will probably play out to the end of the year. But I think uh, Alex Pierce will be next on the train to join the likes of those young guys that just ensure our future for a bit more. I know the other one um, that we haven't sort of mentioned there is Zach Clark as well. Um, Sefa, I know that some people aren't big fans of him on the board, but um, unless you're going to be getting a really, you know, unless he, the only reason you can really see him, uh, you know, I don't think we should be getting rid of him, period, but unless you're going to get a Cam McCarthy or someone similar, um, there's just like, he's just, you've done all the hard work to get him up to that point. And, you know, a lot of Ruckman do take a number of years to develop and progress. Um, you know, you do get the occasional Ruckman who's younger, like the Brody Grundies of the world and, you know, but, um, you know, and he probably has dropped off a little bit in the second half of the year, but I think he's going to be a crucial player in terms of our squad going forward um, with Sandlin's only got one year left and, uh, you know, Griffin's not not a youngster either. So I think it's um, a, he's going to be a crucial re-signing for us in terms mm. of our long term as well. Definitely. You, you'd want to keep... Um... Someone like Clark on there just because you never know what would happen with uh, Sandlands, even though he's signed on till, uh, all the way to the end of next year and, and Griffin's all the way out to 2017. But I think Clark's quite important to hold on there and there's probably some other guys there that are probably looking at um, probably not having their contract renewed or, or making the cut. So I think Clark's one that probably got to keep on there and maybe even extend out a bit further. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see come the end of the season uh... – Sepo with those, some of those guys because a lot of them, you know, as I said, whether those older guys stay on there. I mean, you have to think, unfortunately, Morrow won't won't be on the list next year with uh, um, Sylvia's already gone, obviously, and then, uh, you know, Morrow might, they may re-rookie him, but I'd be, you know, it's probably just getting to that sort of really difficult call point. And then, uh, you know, whether you've got the likes of Crowley, whether he comes back from, you know, or whether Crowley's done as well. And then you've got McFarlane potentially retiring and there's three or four list changes right there without even moving anyone else along. And, I mean, they're still going to have to make that decision on Moller as well. So there's definitely got a bit of work to be done between now and the end of the season, particularly if, uh, you know, all the talk about all these different players, uh, you know, hanging on or, you know, coming to Frio next year in particular, like the looks of likes of Schultz and stuff. So it'll be um, definitely a very uh, busy, silly season coming up. Oh, I think we'll probably see uh, one or two key more signings before the end of the uh, final series and then the older blokes will sort themselves out after the season's finish and, and see how the cards fall. So, Yeah, all right. Uh, once again, uh, we seem to cop another milestone game this week, Seppo, but uh, do you want, before we get to that, do you want to do the uh, ins and outs this week? Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it always seems to be the uh, the milestone and facing Melbourne at home this weekend with... Um, Freo's brought in Matthew Pavlich, Langdon, Duffield, Clancy Pierce, 
Matt Tabernard into the squad of 25 with dropping Fife with that leg injury that's going to see him out till hopefully the uh, first week of finals we have him back. And uh, Crozier's been admitted too. Hopefully uh, young Ag Landon finally makes his debut. He's, he travelled over here with the squad and was there warming up with them at Eddie Head. So he's he's probably next after Weller got his crack to get out there and... and get amongst it and uh, moving over to Melbourne, they've made a couple of changes as well with uh, Angus Brayshaw is uh, rested. Hario Lamamba is uh, out with an ankle and Chris Dawes is out with an ankle too. And they've brought in a couple of guys, Neville Jetta, Matt Jones, Jake Spencer, Oscar McDonald, Aidan Riley and Rowan Bale into their squad of 25 with, like you mentioned before, Nathan Jones playing his 200th game, which seems to be a, Weekly occurrence against us. I don't know how it works out, but it always seems to be like that. Yeah, and probably if I reckon the majority of football fans who aren't Melbourne supporters, so if you put seven of those photos of those ins up, I reckon most people are struggling to name one or two of them. <laughs> you know, mm. it's uh, definitely some new players in there. And uh, a bit of a shame that for those people going to uh, Patterson's this week or Domain or um, that you don't get a chance to see Brayshaw. I think he's one of the up-and-coming guns of the um, league, but... Uh, It'll be, uh, you know, as I said, it'll be a few salivating getting the chance to see Jesse Hogan too playing at uh, Domain. Um, and um, realistically, uh, after watching sort of Melbourne get put to the sword last week by Carlton in the first half, Seppo, anything sort of short of a strong four-quarter performance this week will be considered, um, you know, not good enough really. Yeah, I suppose. And what we're uh, looking at as well is the umpires of uh, Luke Farmer, Dean Margetts and Nick Brown out there. I'm not sure if it's going to... Uh help us and especially at home but it's uh interesting when you when you have a look at that melbourne those outs are, are pretty big because doors has been good and harry o is going to be a, a bit of a drive for them off halfback they're not going to have and um like you said before that angus brochure is probably one one of the better players best on ground when they beat geelong a good couple of rounds back now but um certainly lost a bit and i think they've still got a bit of talent out there with you know nathan jones the, uh, the Monday-like midfield mover and young Hogan, centre-half forward, capable of kicking a couple on a day with McDonald, their defender, and um, some likes like Howe and Vince, very good players. So they're not uh, void of talent because they've certainly got some out there, but certainly if they put up a performance like they did against, against Carlton, that you know they certainly clawed their way back into their game last week. If you actually uh, watch the game or saw the scoreline, it wasn't um, pretty up until half-time. And, they sort of made their way back into it, but it'd be quite interesting just to see the approach that Melbourne take with uh, maybe some new faces wanted to try and go the hardest against our team. Yeah, McDonald's been a, probably a bit of a revelation for them at full-back this year and, you know, arguably probably in the top five or six full-backs, and especially considering the amount of work they're getting down there. And Hogan's probably the um, same and I think would be the rising star this year as well, Seppo. So... They've got a bit of talent there. It's also interesting to see Viv Mitchie getting a game uh, against his old side. And um, interesting, I thought, you know, he used to be a bit of a ball magnet at appeal and just unfortunately hasn't been able to get it together at the, the next level and get a good crack at it. But as you said, the likes of Bernie Vince has been a, uh, he's been a top player for them this year and both in a gaining role and his ability to get the ball. So it'd be interesting to see who he does play on, whether he locks down on the likes of um, Monday or whether he plays on Lockie Neal. Um, in that result, in that sort of game. Having a look at the uh, other side of it, with, as usual, uh, Seppo, with the interchange, uh, who, who's your, who do you like for the ins and outs this week? Um, 
Looking at the uh, the way it's named, obviously uh, Tommy Sheridan, Zach Dawson, probably want to keep those two from the interchange, and possibly another two might be Ed Langdon and maybe Clancy Pierce. I think we'd um, probably have enough cover uh, for positions of the field by naming it that way. It probably makes us uh, fix up a couple of those things that we're uh, looking for with that drive out of the the back line, and can't see. Tabana, Tabana's probably cover for Pavlich, just in case he doesn't get up from training last session tomorrow. Um, but I'd love to see Clancy Pierce in there and maybe a debutante with Ed, Ed Langdon, a bit of 26 magic in there. So I think we um, we need to keep Alex Pierce in there, which probably means that Zach Dawson comes in just in case McFarlane or Johnson goes down. But it's, um, yeah, I think it's a, a fight out of DeBoer and Clancy and, and probably even Ed Langdon if he gets the... Uh, debut for the last one or two spots. Yeah, well, I think it's... Um, I think with the boy, you know what you're going to get every week, Seppo. You know you're going to get hard at it. You know he's not He's not going to take a backward step. You know you're going to have to sometimes put up with, you know, his disposal, letting him down at times. And, uh, you know, he's not necessarily always going to make 100% the right decision. But he, he generally plays within his limitations um, and doesn't try to do anything too much. But I think, as you said, it might be an opportunity to see if one of those other players whether it be Langdon, Duffield or Pierce. I mean, most of the, as I said, the other two you probably know a little bit about, um, just to see whether they can give us something a little bit different or give us that bit of extra drive off half-back. And, I'd I mean, much prefer to see someone like Langdon come in against this week against Melbourne and then bring DeBoer in for the um, big hard game against Port in the last round. I think if you were going to split the, split those two guys over the two games, definitely want to see uh, Langdon get the run here. And like you say, you know what you're going to get with DeBoer. Yeah, and I mean, you'd have to think... Uh, the way it's listed with, if Pierce does play, that the only way Tabana will be getting a game, I suppose, is if Pav, they decide to rest Pav or Pav doesn't pull up well from training tomorrow. So you'd have to think if that's going to be the case, then Tabana will get the game or get the spot. Otherwise, you may think he'll be lining up again for Peel this week. And they may give uh, Tabana a run the week after and rest uh, Pav for that port game, depending on how results go, Seppo. Yeah, definitely. It'll be uh, <laughs> interesting uh, ins and outs, especially being um, obviously the Saturday game the week after. We'll definitely uh, know straight away when the teams are named. None of this uh, what, third week in the while we've had to uh, look through squads on a, a Thursday night. It's not exactly exciting, but it's a lot of speculation yeah. goes into obviously who comes out of that 25. And you know, nine times out of 10, it has been out of those first you mentioned, and we don't haven't gone really to, you know, late changes and pulling people right out. So it's um yeah, yeah looking looking that way. Yeah, I mean the other thing as well is with this game this week for Melbourne, they're obviously missing a couple of other players as well, Seppo, who aren't not playing this week, like the likes of Aaron Vandenberg, Dom Tyson, who have also probably been reasonably good players for them this uh this year. So that's also, you know, you're probably gonna have four or five of what you'd say would be their best twenty two out. So you can start to see, I think, Melbourne are playing a number of these guys just to see whether they're list-worthy or whether they're going to get the chop at the end of the year. So, um, you know, when you're looking down that interchange bench, there's a number of players there who uh, are probably playing for their careers as well as guys who, you know, I mean, McDonald's a new player this week, but you've got the likes of Neil Bullen, probably Mitchie even to a degree, and then uh, some of those other ones. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, Spur gets a job on Jeff Garland again this week, Seppo, after his... Uh, Strong performance on Lindsay Thomas last week as well. Yeah, I think Garlett's one type of... I think he even probably kicked one or two when we played Melbourne earlier in the year at the MCG, but 
Garlett's always the type of player that seems to, uh, you know, bob up and cause us damage. So I think Spurs got his hands full with someone like that. And, um, yeah, it'll be a, a nice matchup and not sure where it leaves suck with, but, um, yeah, it's definitely a, a task for him there. Any other sort of matchups or anything that you're looking forward to this week with this one, Seppo? Um, it'd be interesting to see how they're using Bernie Vince because I think if Fife is out there, they'd obviously want to use him to compete because they did for a short period of time when we played them earlier in the season. But now that Fife's not going to be out there, it's um, it'd be an interesting mix of our midfield group, obviously with maybe Neil, Mundy and, and Hill, maybe even um, Barlow gets back in the centre square and, um, could be a quite interesting midfield battle because Nathan Jones is a really good midfielder as well as some of the other, you know, Viney and um, some of the other guys they run through there could be uh, quite interesting uh, centre square balance. But you think uh, Sandilands should dominate again and um, let's just hope that, you know, with these midfield battles that that we can dominate and push forward and actually capitalise on any clearances we get. Yeah, it'd be interesting that they, they're obviously going in with, they're going to go in with the two, two Ruckman with... Uh... Both uh, Jake Spencer and Max Gorn in there, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they, you know, particularly how they line up forward. If because you can't, you know, Gorn, I don't think played. I didn't see all of last week's game, so you're probably a better judge than I. And said, but I know he did kick one last week, but whether, uh, but he did play the majority of the time up forward. But Spencer comes back in this week, so they're obviously going to be trying to run the dual ruck system. So it'll be interesting to see how they go with those two uh, two players out there. They probably have to do that with. Um, uh, I'm just trying to think. The um, doors with yeah. him coming out, they probably need a bit more uh, height around the ground as well. So Hogan can't carry the uh, full load up front. So definitely going to need some more, you know, chop out with uh, the forward and and ruck in there. Yeah, and if you think the, if you look at the likes of you know even if that match up with Subin and Cross, they're both pretty two hard nuts. Uh, Seppo, so you probably wouldn't ask for a quarter asked or given in that matchup either. Yeah, certainly. Uh, two players that don't like to give up too much ground and go in hard. And I suppose if you can throw DeBoer in there is a another one that goes in pretty hard. So it's um it's going to be a an interesting battle um, if we can actually uh, curtail the influence of someone like Hogan that's been kicking a couple of goals and Garlic keep them too quiet because I think that's where Melbourne been getting most of their goals from this year. If you keep uh, Hogan and Garlic quiet, there goes half their scoring power. So um, I think if we just keep the ball out of our defensive 50 and Johnson and McFarlane don't have to do too much, we're going to be um, a long way to winning this game, I think. Yeah, I mean, the reality is that this game, you, just, you know, if you said if you don't win this game, you don't deserve certainly top spot, let alone, you know, probably arguably even top two. But I, I think, you know, Freo after the last couple of re, um, results will be sort of, very keen to come out and make a bit of a statement with only a couple of weeks to go before finals. But um, as I said, it's just been one of those seasons where after the first 10 games, we've been waiting for that switch to go on again, Seppo. So let's hope they're, uh, you know, in the horse par- you know, horse racing parlance, they're sort of uh, one out and one back at about the 400, ready to make their move. Mm, yeah, it's quite interesting. It's amazing, you know, the other games that's obviously going on at that stage, the Adelaide-West Coast game is starting just before... Uh, Hours, I believe, and probably going to know the result by the time it starts. And it'll be interesting just to see how how the guys take it. Because if Adelaide do win, we get that game and a half buffer on the Eagles, and you know it might just change the the way they go and approach, and even just the coaching decisions they might make on on the day. That you know 
we could be up and they might pull someone like McFarlane and Sanderlands off and someone that might be dominating, you know, if we haven't had an injury, some, um, you know, man management for the finals when mathematically a result's done and dusted and nothing comes down to the last game could be, um, yeah, all done. Yeah, I mean, as you said, that game and a half lead will be there, you know, as I said, if that result goes our way. And then um, likewise, you know, we've still got to win that game to get that six-point break, but I'm sure that um, Fremantle will be looking to do that. What's your, um, you know, obviously been a bit of talk this week, Seppo, about, you know, being uh, whether we finish on top. What's your thoughts about whether we, you know, whether it's even top or second? What's your uh, thoughts on it? Well, I'd prefer to finish top just to, you know, for... For the sake of finishing first and, and having the dominance over, um, you know, playing all this year and, and staying right up there, I wouldn't want to let our uh, crosstown rivals finishing above us. Um, and I think, obviously, if it's Hawthorne that's more likely to finish third, I'd rather face someone else like Sydney or Richmond. Um, it's looking like it probably be Sydney, but I'd r- rather face them, finish first, and even get the choice for our home jumper on grand final day, providing we do make it, because I'm not sure if we finish second, if we forego the ride again to, depending who we come against, you know, to wear white again or something like that might be uh, painful. So <laughs> I suppose it all depends on who we play and what side of the draw we end up finishing on. But it'd be just nice to, for us, you know, our first time finish top and, and you know, tick something off in the record books. So Seppo, would you rather play Hawthorne in the first week of the finals or if it, we do finish top, then... And say the Eagles, whether the Eagles win or lose that first week against Hawthorne. I mean, if, if if the Eagles do win, and say they played Hawthorne, we would play Hawthorne in the prelim at home. Or yeah, I like, prefer that. You prefer that then, as opposed to playing Hawthorne the first week. And if you win, then you'd have a, you know, potentially a home derby. I mean, if Hawthorne do win the other way, uh, if Hawthorne beat West Coast in the first week, at you know, then it would be a. Regardless of whichever way you went, it would be a derby prelim, which would certainly be a massive game, that's for sure. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> kind of a, it's annoying when you're playing the – if it was West Coast in the prelim, it sort of removes that home ground advantage that we'd have. But obviously they would have come off a, um, a week's break if we did go through and, and they lost and had to win a second week in the row. So it sort of changes things up a bit, but – It'd be amazing if we finish first and they finish second. We both get wins and then fall on either side of the draw and, and led to a derby grand final. That would just be amazing. I'm not sure if that's how a lot of people would like it or if that would be worst-case scenario for a lot of people. But, it's um, yeah, I was just playing around with a ladder predictor and there's still you know, a couple of possibilities to play out. And it always happens every time you get to the last two games of the year and, and decide that you're not expecting to win comes up and wins. So... Even just having a look at the other games this weekend, you know, North and Bulldogs, you know, North after their dominance, you know, Bulldogs sort of sh- showed they can hang it with the best, I think, against the Eagles for the first half. And they, they're bringing in some good quality players to take on North. So um, and it's their home ground to Etihad Stadium. So I think North's capable of um, losing to Bulldogs. And there's some all these other games that, you know, Sydney have got to play the Saints, and Saints <laughs> took it right up to Geelong. Probably even should have won that game. So yeah, Sydney I mean, have been out of form there, and yeah, and even the Port game last week when they beat the Hawks as well. So you know, everyone was sort of tipping Hawthorne to be able to um, take one of those top two spots, and you know, drop the drop the ball on it, so to speak. And uh, as you said, now it uh, opens up. So it does show that every team needs to be on their medal, and uh, you know, ideally for us, Seppo, that that. Uh, Results taken out of our hands a bit next week without having to worry about the result with what happens at Port. All right, any other points you want to bring up this week before we finish up, mate? 
No, I just hope that we can uh, get the win and it's going to be a nice comfortable watching on the, on the couch or down at the pub on Sunday for me and and make it an enjoyable experience for all those going there. I'm, I'm watching the last home game of the home and away season for the guys at Subiaco on Sunday and let's just hope that if uh, young Langdon does get the uh, debut gig spot, comes off the green vest, can make an impact and, and get a bit of a taste for it. So... I'm going to uh, throw in my tips and going to say that we're going to win by a straight five-goal margin and 30 points. Right. I'm going to try and be a little bit more optimistic. I'm going to go for 42 this week, Seppo, and um, I think we're going to kick uh, 17 goals. So, But uh, the weather looks like it's going to be clearing early Sunday morning. There is heavy rain scheduled for Saturday, but it looks like it'll be clearing by the time the game starts. So um, I'm looking for us, you know, I think we Particularly if Pav plays, I think we can get 17. If he doesn't, probably more like the 13, 14 goal mark, maybe. So, um, But, yeah, we're certainly be looking for a bit more than the uh, quarter, quarter and a half that we've been getting in the last few weeks. All right. Thanks again for joining us this week, Seppo. No worries. And uh, thank you, Centurions. A uh, couple more games to go and we'll be uh, talking finals. Yeah, it's uh, the season's certainly flying by and uh, let's hope that we can manage to at least get the McClellan Trophy for the uh, top spot. And uh, then, as you said, look at the uh, finals coming up after that and hopefully uh, take it to the next level this year after 2013. I think it was, yes. So, all right. And thanks for again for joining us, listeners, this week. And we will see you again next week, hopefully celebrating a more complete Fremantle performance and another win under our belts. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye for now.